0: Thanks for tuning in to Africans in Sports. I'm Co Season. Today we hit the UK, the United Kingdom, to sit down with Danny Uchechi. Danny is born in Abia State, Nigeria. He's a world football veteran, playing ten seasons, and he also represented Nigeria at the Under-20 World Cup in 2008. Keep it live right here to hear about Danny from troops in Nigeria and to the United Kingdom, finding football as a way to feed his family. The
1: what people see in football is the the glamour, not like the journey. But for me, that life as well, and as a young star, the competition is probably not even up to 0.3% of young players make it a footballer. So you go through this emotional roller coaster where you could get released.
0: What's up Africans and sports fans? Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Chris Koseezi strawn and recently we've been traveling all over England to link up with some of the best athletes from the great continent of Africa. Today, I get the pleasure of sitting across from Nigerian footballer Danny Uchechi.
1: Danny, what's up bro? I'm good, bro. How you
0: doing, man? I'm not too bad at all. Nice, nice, to, meet nice. You. nice. You nice to meet you. You got a beautiful home here, man. <laughs> thank thank you, you for having us.
1: Nah, thank you. You're welcome. Tell me about growing up in Nigeria. I mean, uh, you're probably not going to hear this a lot from many other people, but I am um, a mix mm. of um, Nigeria and Togolese. My dad's from Nigeria, my mom's from Togo, oh. so yeah. So uh, I baby know that. So um, I didn't. Yeah. So what's that dynamic
0: like? Um, well,
1: it's 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 crazy because um, I still, I mean, my, my dad he passed away last year, two years oh, ago. May he saw rest in peace. Um, Sorry to hear about that. I still go i i used to just talk to him and there's one question which we didn't answer and which i'm going to go back to my mom which was um how did you guys meet mm-hmm. um because that's a long way to go yeah. um from nigeria to togo to find a wife um but the dynamics and that that worked in the sense that um mom uh fair play to her she speaks all the different dialects um in nigeria speaks yoruba Igbo. She speaks English, she's wow. a French teacher, and Whoa. she speaks Togo. So she's um, not just bilingual, she's just multilingual, yeah. basically. Um, and um, so I think she made it work, not my dad, because my dad lived in the northern part of Nigeria for 16 years hmm. and didn't pick up a word. So definitely not from his part that they're together. So she made the effort for that. So wow. um, growing up in Nigeria was quite... Um, it's, it's an experience you have to sort of... Um, have to explain, uh, yeah, no matter how much I tell you about it. Um, it's it's a unique experience because of the way that a country is in itself. Um, there's a contrast in Nigeria um, in the sense that the disparage between um, the rich and the poor, th- that there's a vast vacuum, and that in itself impacts on the type of life and quality of life you have growing up. So if you're fortunate enough to be on the rich side, then you, you can say so many positive things and be, this is the best country in the world, mm-hmm. which now, going back to Nigeria and I go to those places, sometimes you don't even want to come out of it because it's that great. You have a lot of fun mm-hmm. and there's nothing you want for that you can't find. Uh, which but, side did you grow up on? Yeah, well, I grew up the on the other side. On the other side. Okay. Yeah, definitely on the other side. Um, mm-hmm. uh, which in itself isn't a bad thing if you come out of it in the right way. For sure. Um, uh, but it, it sort of puts you, limits your, your opportunities but it means you have to fight harder to get out of it. But at the same time, it prepares you for life, I think, because um, there's nothing now you can throw at me that would shock me. Right. There's um, beauty in the struggle. Exactly. So it sort of lays a foundation for you to understand. You appreciate things when you get it, and you know the worth of it, and you know how hard you fought to get it and you don't let it go mm. um, because you don't want to be back there anymore where you came from. And Also, you want to go back there and help the people out there and you can relate and people can relate to you Because you're coming from that background so they know what you've been through to get to where you've been or where you are But it's unfortunate. I left quite young uh, in the sense that some of those relationships Were maintained now because I left at the formative years of myself um, age 13 mm-hmm. um, so and um, But before I left, you know, um I, I was the first of six boys, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know what you know about the African culture. Um, the first of a family, especially if you're a male, um, you're responsible for the rest of the family. You're the leader of the group. So um, it's a blessing and a curse mm. in the sense that you know you're you're blessed to be in that position because you know you, you had to set examples for everyone else. But, but it's There's a, a lot on your shoulders. Exactly, because you can't put a foot wrong. Mm. Um, and again, coming from the background, like I said, where I came from, my, my dad, not to his fault, not, uh, not any fault of his, he worked hard, he worked his ass off. Um, I've never known anybody work as hard as he he, he did. Um, he would go away for months at different states, um, just because he was a hauler and he worked in haulage and drove trucks and, mm. and all of that. So he just went and we, sometimes we don't see him on weeks um, when he comes back. Obviously, he's doing this to get money to the house. So. Um, I kind of sort of became a, f- a head f- figure in the house for my mm-hmm. brothers because um, I went out. You know, I I was I was I was smart school. Not blame my own trumpet. Um, yeah. Mom didn't want me to go playing football. She wanted to concentrate on school. Um, but I was good at football at the same time, so it was also a conflicting thing for me at that age because I enjoyed playing football right. as much as I did enjoy going to school. But when I went, football was the only place where I forgot I was hungry because I was mm. having a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, you forget about food. Are you outside all day. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> I'd rather be out playing football till it was late, uh, and then I come back home and I'd get smacked for staying up late, yeah. not doing my homework, <laughs> not doing the dishes. Uh, yeah. But I still went it again and again and again. And um, it, I would say football provided me the opportunity to leave that place where I was. Um, and um, yeah, growing up is, is a tale that would always stay with me. It's uh, there's a lot of experience that I had that would always stay with me. You know, um, uh, going away, staying up friends' houses because mm-hmm. it was so late or I didn't have transportation to come back. Um, by the time I would have walked back home, it would have been too late to get back home. So you had to find someone to stay. Um, I mean, imagine doing that at age 10. Right. Um, and, um, you know, I played uh, under-10s football, um, local government football, and they took you out, they gave you some money at the time. That money, I had to keep it just to make sure I brought it home because that right. would be for everyone, yeah. you know. so. It kind of felt like a provider from that age. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, You just learned responsibility. Yeah. you know. So for me, um, those years
0: were years that I cherish now when I look back at them because they've made me the man I am today. What's the difference between your upbringing and now you have two little ones yourself? Yeah. What's the difference between those two right there? Difference is they've got a choice. Mm.
1: I hadn't, you know, I didn't have a choice. Um, so I could bring I could make a breakfast for my son or my daughter and they'd be like, Daddy, I don't want that. Oh Daddy, can you add some egg to that? Yeah. I'm like, okay. Oh, I don't want this. Oh, I'd g I want to eat rice later on, you yeah. When I was young You ate what was in front pff, of you. If you didn't eat it, it was gone. Yeah. Because you had five other people waiting and hungry. Mm-hmm. If you was like, I don't, before that sentence finished, food's gone. Who mm. is a bunch of piranhas, mate? Yeah. So food, um, which is a good thing you always want your kids to be better than you so it's a good thing so seeing them now mm. it makes me laugh mm. when they do it i'm like if you if you i was deserve, gonna ask you do you think they
0: understand that nah, like nah. yo daddy didn't have it like nah. this nah, nah, nah. they
1: don't understand it but you know I, I try to teach my kids that you know right. so when you do go out sometimes you know you see the homeless people you know you give them, give them uh, 20 pence or something and say, mm. give it to that person is the reason why you're giving it because they don't have you know um, I said you have this you had breakfast this morning didn't you he probably didn't have breakfast mm-hmm. that's the only way you can teach them this thing because it's around them it doesn't happen you right. know so um, I, t- I took them back home um, but again they're still sheltered because um, their uncles will not let them out of sight mm-hmm. and whatever they want they got so Um, It's difficult for that, but the only way you can also, I could do that is just to teach them and talk to them about it. Um, But, you know, so, I mean, when I was my son's age seven, um, I would go fetch water Mm -hmm. with probably a 10 litre gallon, it was called, it carry it for like 10 or five miles and come back home you go back you do that a couple times that's the only way you get to drink water Mm. clean water you know those kind of things they wouldn't understand things like that because if he wants water he could get a bottle of water and just turn it on and just pour in a cup because he just thinks that's how it works um but so there's a difference there's a stark contrast to their life and the life i had growing up Mm -hmm. but you know i wouldn't i as much as i appreciate that background I don't think it's right in this day and age that kids
0: should live like that. You mentioned your dad working so hard. He's gone for months at a time. How often are you around? Is that the same situation for you? Um, I've made a decision now to not go nowhere, mm. <clears throat> um, and
1: that is part of the reason why I did that. Um, in 2014 I decided, because I, I played in Sweden, mm-hmm. um, I tried to go to Turkey, didn't work out. Um, so and and he was quite young at the time he was born in 2012 so when his sister came in 2015 and I thought to myself I could either be chasing you know playing abroad nice culture nice well chasing money but I'll miss out on the up- upbringing of my kids yeah. and I knew I know how I wanted my dad to be around when I was young not not to his fault of his right um but you know, when I was in the academy, one of the things that stood out for me was whenever we played, um the other kids, the parents, the mom and dad would be there, you know, whether they were rubbish or not. The mm. parents were there. Supporting. And you, know, you could hear the parents going, Go on Ryan, whatever the name is. It's a big it's like, deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. And they loved it. You know, and I used to wish my parents were there. Obviously I know they couldn't be there, but I was like, How nice would that be? Yeah. You know, No, well. I know that yeah, same situation so, so well. So uh, and this for me is something that i feel like a lot of africans or the black community don't do with their kids mm-hmm. um they're busy chasing money um to keep up with a sort of lifestyle um and forget their true values of what it means to support your children through certain and uh, situations and i feel if you're not there this is the reason why kids pick the wrong role models mm. because they need someone to talk to and if someone will lend an ear to them, whether it be a good or a bad person, they will talk to that person mm-hmm. and that would influence what they do. Take me to the beginning of your football journey. Where did it start? It started at a place called Adjangbadi. There was a manager who used to pick me up. Yeah, Coach Emeka used to pick me up from the house, promised my mom he will bring me back because he had a tournament and needed me to play. H8, he would take me to the tournament and bring me back home takes me picks me up and from then from primary school I kind of just fell in love with the game but Mm. it was easier to do that anyway because that's the only thing you had was football from everything else that was going on um, around you Um, back in Nigeria every child plays football on the street yeah that's just that's your Um, go-to pastime we don't have basketballs Mm -hmm. there's a basketball team but again there's no surface for playing basketball. So yeah. unless you actually really, really want to play basketball, then you go to the stadium or somewhere where yeah. it's... Specifically you can football, kick the ball around everywhere. Anywhere. And you can make anything as a football. So we play football barefoot. Listen, I can tell you how many times I've lost my toes where I've kicked stones and just bust my toe, go back home, and then my mom would look at you and be like, good for you, you're still going to school tomorrow. <laughs> at that age, mm-hmm. um, 8, 10 was when it all started taking off for me and sort of um uh, getting noticed, um playing under ten football, under twelve football, on the eleven football. And um yeah, I kinda of played even um higher with boys um older than me, like twelve, fourteen, at age ten I was playing with them. Um I was small, but they couldn't catch me. Mm. So I think that was an advantage. So you separated you? Yeah. So yeah, I started up quite quite young. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, it's something that I don't know if I want my child to do. Ah, really? Yeah. Why is that? I'd rather him do it if he decides to. Mm, but you're not pushing him, him to. No, it. no, no. Because no, no, that's no. how you get burnout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the mental strain, football is an is an emotional uh, game. You know, mm-hmm. mentally has a t- it takes a toll on you. For sure. Um, I guess it would, for him it would be different. For me it was different because of the expectations, mm-hmm. you know, and the weight that was put on me. For him probably, if he decides to, or if he wants to then he just needs to enjoy it. And I'll do you see an interest in it? I feel like he's got the interest, but I feel like I'm holding him back hmm. because I'm not putting him in the right places for him to do it. Why? You,
0: know,
1: you don't, you don't of, feel like he's pursuing it himself? Is that not, it? No, no, he is, but it's probably because of the negativity that I've experienced in football. Hmm. Hmm. Speak on you know, that. You know, so I, what people see in football is the, the glamour, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the, the riches. The yeah. cars, the clothes, whatever but not the it journey. Is. Not the journey. So all that you see is the five percent of football. Ninety-five percent is behind that pitch. Um, there's a lot of politics. Mm. There's a lot of bullying. Mm. There's a lot of um, expectations and mental strains put on you. There's a lot of um, sort of. Um, it's basically a game being played behind a game. Right. You know. So you got you got the agents. You got the club. Um, you've got the trainers. You've got the managers. Mm-hmm. You've got your own teammates. You've got relationships. Behind that, um, there's, there's a struggle because playing football 95% of the time you spend it alone. Uh, apart from on that pitch when you're a your teammate. When you come back home, imagine the routine is you wake up in the morning and at 9 o'clock because you can't wake up earlier than that because what you waking up to do? Mm-hmm. Wake up at 9 o'clock, you've got to be at the training ground for 9.30 or 9.45. Mm-hmm. You have your breakfast, you start training at 10.30 or 10.45. An hour and a half, you're done. 12.30, 1.00, you have the whole day to yourself. Doing yeah. what? You, you don't know what to do with yourself. So mm. most people, you know, people be like, why do footballers get depressed? Why is he gambling? He's got so much time in his so hands. So what time. do you want him to do?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, for me, that life as well. And as a young star, the competition is probably not even up to 0.3% of young players make it a footballers. Mm-hmm. So you go through this emotional roller coaster where you could get released. You know, I, I grew up with players that got released and their life wasn't the same anymore because they couldn't take it. They didn't well, know they to themselves. Exactly. So age 16, you get let, up, let go and then you get told you're not good enough. Mm. And you probably didn't do well in school. Mm-hmm. So where do you turn to? It takes a lot of mental strength to overcome that. You could get lost. So how did you stay work. focused? My journey has been filled with sort of, it's just been a struggle from day one because of the expectations that has been put on me. Um, for myself, I've said to myself, one way or the other, I had to make it. Mm. Either as a footballer, I was a businessman, or as an entrepreneur, whatever I did, you make I it. had to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, because there wasn't, I didn't have a it wasn't an option. Yeah. So tell me when you realized that you were going to be a pro. I've always, always felt like I would be a footballer. Mm. Um, I mean, I haven't hit the heights that I would have wanted to yeah. at my age, um, or uh, where I wanted to be at the time. Uh, or now you know I saw myself you know playing the premier league all this time even till today mm-hmm. um but uh, you know due to a number of reasons that didn't happen but again I wouldn't take for granted where I've where I got to and where I've been I felt like I was born to do this is what I was born to do mm-hmm. you know um um, I got my, uh, I don't know if I should be saying this here, if this is a life story, I don't know. But We need all the life stories. <laughs> Let's get it. I don't know if I was saying this, but anyway, um, even before I got my first professional contract, I was, um, I was offered a contract um, at age 16, uh, 15, 16, I was offered my first professional contract mm-hmm. um, and uh, I couldn't sign it
0: because, because didn't
1: have a- I didn't have um, uh, my documents. I didn't have my, my um, citizenship. and I didn't have a work permit to play. Because I mm. was over here, remember, I came over as a student. Yeah, three, three years yeah. before that. Yeah, so I came over as a student. So um, it was like, it was, it was a hard thing to do, mentally draining. I can imagine. And emotionally, imagine turning up to training every single day and being told for some, for some red tape reasons, mm-hmm. you can't play. Um, and, you know, you just sit there, you come in training, every day I'm thinking, what am I even doing here? What am I even doing here? Like, every day, at that age, I was coming in, I was, I was diligent with my training, it was mm-hmm. so bad, that one session, um, uh, his name's uh, Phil Parkinson, He's, he, pu- he pulled up a training session, the, uh, the first in players at Charlton, and he said, he just said, all of you need to be ashamed of yourselves. I was thinking, what, what have I done now? Why is he pulling us? He's like, like, look at Danny. It's like, look at the way he trains mm. every single day. Mm. He, has, he hasn't he has got a contract. He, he knows he can't play. But look at the way he trains every single day. But all of you here are on the contract, and you're training like you're being asked to, like you're being forced to do it mm-hmm. in my head. I know he was trying to say something nice about me. Yeah. But... Did it push you down? Yeah. Because mm. I thought, I don't want to be hearing that. Yeah. I want to be playing, right. I was like... Yeah, y'all okay. getting paid and I'm not. Yeah, it's like, they getting paid, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm getting practically peanuts. Mm-hmm. And you're making a comparison with that in my head. Like I said, he was coming from a good place. Yeah, for sure, but he, For me, he was motivating them. Yeah, he was trying to motivate them. For, for me, I was thinking, damn, like, what is this? Wow. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? You know, I almost gave up mm-hmm. playing because, you know... I've did everything I could do from my side. You know, I've trained diligently. I've kept myself professional. You know, I've, I've worked hard. I gave up socializing with friends. I gave up a lot of things. You know, I made sacrifices as a young star growing up, you know, just trying to learn every trick in the trade just to make sure I made it. Um, but here, am I, here I am and I can't play because of where I
0: was born. How does your Nigerian upbringing Help or contribute to this roller coaster ride that you're on, to just stay sane and to just stay locked in. Have you been to Nigeria before? I haven't. Take a trip. I'm, I'm making the it happen The country
1: soon. itself would make you stay zen, hmm. because the country is a roller coaster itself. Right hmm. from the uh, the moment you get to the airport, it is a roller coaster. Wow. You listen. You have to be agile. What? You have to be like you can't even lose it because it's pointless. Everyone's mad. So unless you want to join the queue of mad people, you have to be sane. The country itself, listen, I say to people, right, there's so many things that you can pick out from Nigeria. You know, everything around you is designed to kill you, really. Mm -hmm. So you have to stay sane to navigate that world. So um, in the midst of all that problem, people still find time to crack jokes, make jokes and be happy and smile. And laugh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, just find a common goal and just stick to it and just enjoy themselves, you know. Yeah. You'd be surprised, you know, you go to a place a bunch of kids who've not eaten and they'll be cracking jokes. They'll laugh the hardest and you think to yourself, hold on a minute, I can afford whatever I want, but why am I sad? You know, you look at the little faces and they're just happy, mm-hmm. you know, just for the little thing they get, they're thankful for that and they're happy, you know. So for me,
0: I, I was once that child, you know. So, yeah, yeah so that, that that prepared me for that. You've been through so much adversity throughout your career. So much. (laughs) No, I know. (laughs) How do you tell a youngster in your situation how to mentally stay focused and get through this adversity?
1: I would say, uh, number one, uh, you need to trust your family and have the right people around you. Be diligent at your work, enjoy life. It's too short. Um, That doesn't mean you need to go drinking or Partying, because to make it as a professional football takes a lot of sacrifice. So you need to be willing to put that sacrifice in day in, day out. But, you know, take time out to read a book, catch a movie, relax, um, have the right people around you, um, and you would be fine. Um, You'll be fine.
0: Talk about your favorite moments from your career. You, you got to represent your country. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've got a few favorite moments. Um, give, me, give me the one that stands out.
1: Okay, the one I would say um, stood out for me was the first time I played for Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Um, It was an under-23 tournament in Malaysia and um, I came out as a player of the tournament. So that for me was a great moment uh, because this was the first time I've had anything to do with the national team or be called up and to come out to play the tournament was amazing for me. Mm-hmm. And also another time was when I represented, um, I represented uh, Charlton Athletic at the Mill Cup, and I came up as uh, the best player in the tournament as well. Nice. Um, and I, at the time I was quoted by Chelsea, Man City, and a yeah. but that's a different story for another time, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so that was another favorite time, uh, favorite, um, that time of mine, um, favorite time that I remember, and the last one. I said I got loads. I just keep the uh, last one um, was um, playing at Old Trafford. Tell me um, about that. It's amazing. Yeah, so it's the theatre of dreams, man. Wow. It's, just, it's like I, I walked out the stadium, and Just looked up and I thought, hold well on, I can't see the top of it. I Just kept yeah. on going. I thought this is amazing, man. Wow, how many people? It's amazing. I think I, 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 can't tell you how many because yeah, I couldn't tell you how many. Wow. I was just caught up in the moment. I I can't remember. It's just the fact what. What I remember is walking into that stadium and I had goosebumps. What's that rush and like? It was mad. Mm. It was mad. And like, I just couldn't wait to play. Yeah. you know. So uh, that is oh, going to be imprinted in me for the rest of my life. So, man,
0: yeah. I've enjoyed this time right here. I hope so. I've I'm enjoyed the beautiful did. home, the tea and the biscuits. <laughs> true, true well, English vibes here and i really appreciate it man (laughs) so you introduced me to to the british lifestyle and i really love it man uh, so
1: you know like you said you asked me where home is so just trying to get you to you know enjoy
0: enjoy the home comfort i appreciate it yeah Yeah, yeah. no worries at all no worries for daniel uchechi i'm chris cosisi strong this is africans in sports we out of here peace